What's up, everybody? Uh, hope everyone's about to have a Merry Christmas. You got the Jays win over Xavier to make yourself feel good about it. Um, we're going to come at you with another podcast analyzing the game. Um, joining me today, uh, back at home, I just realized I put it together slowly, but I saw a picture of you and Sophie on Instagram. I figured that either the dad, either the parents shipped the dog to Russia or you <laughs> came back home to hang out with the family for Christmas. So which one is it? I came back home, thankfully, okay. supposed to be home for Christmas, um, get about 11-ish days before I have to go back. So I would take anything at this point. Um, it's just nice to be home for the holidays. So Nice. And, and uh, I don't know if we're going to post a video of this. Sometimes we do. I, it's up to the editors, but. Yeah, she's looking fly tonight, probably a little bit more so than most podcast guests. I'm not really sure she knew we were going to use video, but yeah, it's <laughs> hey, a bit, over, bit, bit overdressed for basketball. <laughs> I literally in Russia, like I go to practice twice a day and I wear the same like pair of sweats and sweatshirt like every day. <laughs> so, you know, whenever like I'm home, like I feel like I need to get kind of dressed up and look like presentable for the most okay. part. And so, yeah, I felt like I should look decent <laughs> yeah i'm definitely rocking that sweat swag like the last nine yeah. months so i think the first time i think i got dressed up for thanksgiving because my mom was like can you just put jeans on i'm like yes <laughs> like, i think oh i can God. do that <laughs> yeah so that's the only one but it'll be weird putting real clothes on again um but it's i'm glad you're home I'm glad you get to hang out with the family how's everybody doing everyone's doing good yeah they're happy that i'm home get to spend a little time um happy to see everyone for sure and just you know enjoy this time that I am that I have at home and um just you know do as much as I can while I'm here before I head back do you have to do like last minute uh like last minute Christmas shopping or are you locked in on that already so I uh, yeah I made sure like November-ish I was ordering all the stuff on Amazon all the stuff and I was like mom you're gonna get it in the mail just don't open it because some of it might be your Christmas gifts. <laughs> just put it in my room and I'll get to it later. So I thankfully got all my Christmas shopping done by like December 1st, which is like a record for me. Um, and so it's been sitting in my room and I just have to, um, you know, wrap it up, pack it and get it under the tree and I'll be good. <laughs> nice. Uh, you ready to jump into this basketball game? Let's do you, it. Yeah, let's uh, talk a little Jay Xavier. Obviously Creighton gets that. 66-61 win. Um, I I think, like, coming into this one, just, you know, this is why you shouldn't play games on paper, but um, you, like, look into this, you're like, oh, my God, this one's going to be a firefight. Uh, I mean, last team with possessions probably going to go for a hundo, and that's how it's going to be decided. And then then you see it, like, settle into a grinder after after about, you know, the first 15 or so minutes. And it's like, well, what, what were your impressions about, like, what you expected versus what you ended up seeing. Yeah, you know, I expected, I, you know, looked up, I mean, I follow, I follow the Big East still, but looked, made sure I looked into Xavier a little bit more. And there are two, like, high-powered offenses, and I thought it was going to be, you know, just back and forth, back and forth. Um, you obviously didn't see that today. <laughs> so it was a little different. Um, kind of, like you said, grind it out a little bit. Um, but it was still, you know, a hard-fought battle. But, um definitely shots shots weren't falling for either team they're falling for a little bit and then it would go um kind of down a little bit so um like you said definitely a grinder and um they had to tough this one out but um like I said I thought it was gonna be more high-powered offense and it 
it was a little little um a little different than normal <laughs> is it is it like um from a player's perspective is it strange when you plan for i mean i think you guys it's probably overly simplistic, but you guys plan for like, okay, we're going to need to be really sharp offensively today. It's going to take a lot of different pieces um, to be on for us to be in this one based on what they have in terms of their arsenal. Like when you, when you, when you plan for something like that and then it settles into kind of a, you know, a little bit of a grinder like it was where no one was really in rhythm. No one was really hitting, uh, you know, from a scouting perspective, they were really taking away a lot of the strengths. Like, how does a player adjust to that in game? We were like, okay, this is not going according to plan at all. How do we, how do we win this one? Yeah. So like we said, you know, if you focus on the offensive stuff and that stuff's not falling, you kind of have to figure out where you can help the most or benefit the most. So that's where the hustle plays come in, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, um, turnovers, like all those little things kind of come mm -hmm. into play. And it's like, we have to either get more offensive rebounds, make sure we box out, um, get those 50-50 balls, limit turnovers, because if our offense isn't working, like when we get to set it up, then we need to figure out ways we can score um, or can, you know, get into transition, stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to focus on those other things. Like like any player, hopefully, <laughs> can understand as if you're the ball's not going in for you, you got to figure out ways to impact the game in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, for them today, you know, like – for example, you know, Marcus wasn't having his best day, but there are some key moments, you know, towards the end where um, he had some free throws late, but they've been struggling for free, with free throws, and he made two free throws. Um, that last rebound, he tapped it to, I think it was Ant or Antoine, I think, or it's Christian, one of them. Mm -hmm. And, like, the little things like that, um, you know, really come into play, and you have to um, – and Christian's loose ball at the end that he got – um, you know, those little things I think come into play when your offense is struggling a little bit, you have to kind of revert back to, um, you know, things you can do that you have control of, um, mm -hmm. that, that will, you know, help you, help you in the game. Yeah. I think like a couple plays that stick out in my mind, I'm trying to think back, like, um, Xavier got off to that really hot start. And I mean, they got some good looks that looks probably Creighton didn't want to give them, but I mean, most of them were like, I mean, like Kiki Tandy hit a tough one. Uh, Nate Johnson had a tough one. I mean, they were scoring pretty much no matter what Creighton was doing defensively. So it wasn't really how you were grading the, the Jays, but I thought that exactly. second unit, you know, I thought the second unit, like Antoine came in and, and really got going offensively. But I mean, Sharif, like, and there were some questions about Sharif coming in while whether he could guard up, you know, because he's a pest on the ball, but, you know, he could probably guard ones and twos. Can he guard a three or four or a big man if he gets switched in the post? And he forced like a travel on Fremantle down low, just battling one-on-one -on -one in the post on a switch. Like that was all within that run that kind of flipped the game for the second unit. Like what did you see out of what Sharif was able to do to, as you talked about, like those little plays that matter that add up at the end of the game in terms of what it did to maybe slow Xavier down and help Creighton kind of get some life. Yeah. So me being a basketball guru that I am, um, I was taking notes on this game. And I literally wrote down like um, reef exclamation park exclamation mark love him defensive defense and intensity like uh -huh. his defense is just like he's up in their grill like makes them uncomfortable and then you know they went to like all switches on ball screens and he was holding his own in the post and literally they mismatches whatever like 
Xavier could not capitalize on any of their mismatches, like whether it was Reef down there, Marcus down there, like anything. And they could not capitalize on those mismatches. And I was like, like, I'm so, just because I'm a man, I'm like, I'm so proud of them because like, that's hard to do, you know, like you have your six, one or under, I don't, I don't know how tall everyone is, but, and you're going up like against like some guy that's like six, eight or six, seven, six, nine, like, and they're like holding their own in the post. And I think that can just like attribute to like their toughness, how hard they work. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I, I put down reef, love him, defense and intensity because just like he can disrupt. We've seen he can disrupt, you know, on the ball, whether it's a guard or a post. Um, so I think that was, that was turning point. And Antoine, you know, um, he's making some things happen for sure. He hit a couple of buckets, you know, had a nice assist to Christian, that little shovel pass um, there. And so, um, you know, they, that little second group, you know, made, made a nice run. And I think it started with their defense for sure. I think like, there's just something infectious about the way he guards. I think people talked about it last year too, a little bit. Certainly the players did like when he's up in someone's grill, like fresh off the bench and just making it tough on someone, it kind of like, there's something about the energy that he's exerting in that moment that like permeates through the four guys behind him. You know what I mean? Like, do you know what that's like to have a player? Okay. Like if uh, I'm trying to think of someone you played with that was like up in someone's, I would say business like does it how does it infect the rest of the team where you're like okay everybody kind of ratcheted up now because we got a, we got a tone setter out here that's like I would say like Rachel her freshman sophomore year like we knew she's always going to come in play tough you know take some charges get those like hard o boards things like that and just having that player on the court makes you like want to work harder on deep on the defensive end you mm-hmm. know they're all working hard and so I think you know, as a player, from a player standpoint, you see Reef come in and you're like, heck yeah, like we're going to get some stops, we might get some steals, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we can just ratchet up this defense and, you know, maybe turn this deficit from seven to three or 10 to five, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say Rachel, I think, would be the best comparison to that because she comes in and is tough, always works hard. Um, I think that's who I can think of from who I played with that, um, would be similar to Sharif, but like I said, I just love his intensity and he makes, I think he, he just brings like all this toughness out of everyone else and he makes everyone else want to work as hard as he does on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also been doing good on the offensive end as well. He had a couple buckets that were super nice. And um, I think just, just his entire like aura persona, like who he is on the floor, just like elevates everyone else. For sure. I think like, I want to I want to go down individually a little bit, but and talk then. But then I want to talk about like the second unit as a whole because like I just think there's like so many fascinating pieces because they can really bring like a whole new team position to position onto the floor in place of their main rotation. But like Antoine Jones had <laughs> at the end of the game, notwithstanding, he's kind of like you know he's kind of a roller coaster type of player. But uh, that first half, I don't know if Creighton wins that game without what Antoine did offensively in the first half and what Sharif did. Like we talked about just being versatile and tough defensively, no matter what the matchup was, but like Antoine, if you look back at the UConn game, um, like UConn just did not, they didn't, they, they kind of like dorked him, if you will. They, 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 they just let him shoot whatever he wanted to shoot out there. 
if he was behind the line, they weren't worried about him. And he, I think it might have gotten his head a little bit. Like, why are they leaving me open? Because he airballed one, he missed one off the rim, left a little. And like, he, you could tell he wasn't um, in rhythm. And that gamble was mm-hmm. kind of paying off for them. Um, and then today he comes in and Xavier's kind of playing him honest. They're playing him more to drive. They're not really like going corporate close out on him, but, or Kobe close out on him, but he still cashed two threes in that, that first half that kind of, you know, just made the defense stay honest with him. Um, whereas if those don't go in, I, I, I think Xavier can play off of him a little bit and maybe cheat a little bit um, and probably expand the lead. But offensively, I think that one-two punch, like Antoine off the bench offensively and Sharif defensively um, helped Creighton kind of get its bearings a little bit. Um, and I just like, what do you, from, from what you're looking at out of Antoine off the bench as a spark, clearly it's more talent and feel offensively than it is on the defensive end. Like he can make plays off the dribble with the pass um, in transition. He can get downhill score, get to the free throw line, all those sorts of things like, do you feel like they're starting to get a good rhythm with each other, playing with each other, him and Reef, understanding that, you know, they're kind of different players, but they can bring different things off the bench to kind of spark the team if they need it? For sure. And I felt that more today probably than any other game so far mm-hmm. um, because, it, you know, when that second group is in, it's not as much of an offensive threat as that first group. And so they obviously the first group wasn't, you know, providing that spark on offense a little bit. They weren't, you know, they're yeah, they missed a lot of shots, yeah. Yeah, and rhythm shots, too, like shots they'd normally make. And so I was like, you know, same group came in, and I was like, all right, you know, like, I'm a little nervous. That first group wasn't hitting anything. Like, this group is not the best offensively out of everyone. So, you know, you know, hopefully, like, something happens. But I was a little nervous, you know, bringing this group in. But like you said, like, Reef came alive, um, created some defense or created offense from defense. Um, Anton, like going off, had a three, some assists, was scoring. Um, And so I was like kind of pleasantly surprised. Um, But at the same point, you know, our, our guys team, like you have to respect our top five so much that Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, our next three or our next four, um, you know, kind of get that, like not not exactly like who is this guy, but he's not a Marcus or he's not a shooter, Mitch. Like you know, and so you could kind of give maybe a little more more leeway to where they can create a little bit more. They can get those open shots because maybe they're not as familiar with the scout or they're more focused on another another player versus them. And so I think Anton took a huge advantage of that today. Um, Reef did too. Um, also saw Christian like I I wrote in my notes like. Christian has improved so much um, and you, you really saw that today and I think they really took advantage of what what um, Xavier was giving them and so um, like you said I think especially from UConn when Anton was kind of surprised that he was open or he was surprised he was getting these shots like I think he kind of took that into you know like they need to respect me <laughs> I can do mm-hmm. this stuff too and so he took advantage of that today and you know let let them know like he's not he's not just the eighth player on the scout seventh player in the scout um he he needs to be respected too so yeah like uh, you mentioned christian and i've i feel like it's 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 tough to uh in a way it's tough to give this team its due because you have marcus who has the body of work and he has the preseason accolades and the expectations that come with it 
Um, you have Mitch, who has the firm reputation now of just being someone you need to like know where he's at if he's anywhere within 40 feet. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's not even an exaggeration. <laughs> and, uh, and then like, then you see the other guys, like Tyshawn is doing his thing now with the sun. So there's a little bit of a different like dichotomy with like Denzel, DJ, Christian, but they've all played like really well. I mean, you might be able to argue if you just looked at their performance so far, Denzel, DJ, and Christian might be playing better than Marcus and Mitch right now. I mean, that's, that's like, I know Marcus and Mitch are dealing with a lot more in terms of scout attention, yeah. but those guys are performing. Like Christian has been unbelievable game to game so far. What, what looks different to you about where he was maybe start of league play last year versus where he's at now as they're kind of getting into the, the grind of the Big East title race a little bit? You can just tell he's more confident and he like wants the ball in his hands. Um, like I remember I was talking to my roommates, Audrey, Olivia, and Allie, like we talk about women's games, men's games, we watch them all and we're texting all the time, um, about them. And we were talking today and we're like, Christian just like has improved so much. Like I remember when we would have stuff in the CC and he was in the next court, like working on form shooting, like simple stuff, just trying mm -hmm. to like just improve that little thing. And it's just it's been like crazy to see his improvement over that like amount of time. And you can tell that he's just so more confident, stronger. You can obviously tell that so much stronger, been in the weight room. Um, and just, he has a confidence in himself. And I think the team also has confidence in, in him as well. Um, you can just see that. And he's been, you know, putting in the work and just improved so much. And it's like super fun to see, um, see him, you know, be, be that that player especially as a five like he might be a little undersized as a five but mm -hmm. he's he's he making those other fives you know work um he's getting good like offensive rebounds boxing out defensively like all that type of stuff he's he's just carrying more weight and he's doing a great job so um you can tell he's put in the work and that it's coming to fruition there's like there's a there's got to be a strength and conditioning element to to it as well i mean it's tough because this offseason was pretty much unlike any probably, I mean, for sure, any they've dealt with, you know what I mean? And, but like from a standpoint of trying to evaluate how, who got better at what and how they did it because everybody's kind of situation was different. If they had a, you know, like you talked about before going off to, uh, to Bradenton, like, you know, just dribbling workouts in your garage or, but, mm -hmm. but you also had a gym with chef that you could go to and get some, get some reps in like, so it just it just depended on what who what you were able to find in terms of how to get those those reps in that are important for improvement offseason. Um, sure. With him, like everything looks like he's just rounding into a more complete basketball player. And um, I think early on in the first couple of games, you saw maybe there's still some maybe creativity uh, issues, like a hill to climb there, because in isolation situations where he's like catching on the at the free throw line extended area um maybe he loses the ball a little bit and doesn't you know isn't really great at going one-on-one -on -one to the rim but I think he's got a lot better at that last few games I mean and he got Fremantle basically out of there I mean show, yeah. the, show the ball make a move you know draw a couple fouls get him out of the game in the first half got him out of there in the final two minutes um exactly. yeah just the way he was able to attack Fremantle and kind of like isolate and get him into foul trouble not only killed his offensive rhythm but got him off the floor from a rebounding standpoint, I think that was like a big, 
factor in the game in that they were able to take Fremantle out of the game just by attacking him and making him make plays that maybe he's not um, comfortable making defensively yet. But getting him out of the game definitely, I think, affected Xavier's offense because, like you said before, going in, they were really hot. For sure. Like you said, like he's gotten so much better. Like he, like you said, he's at the free throw line, shot fake attack or short corner, you know, couple dribbles, layup or foul. Like he had that how many times today? And mm-hmm. like those little things, you know, free throws. I know we haven't been great at free throws, but those can make or break. We'll talk about those in a minute. Yeah. Those <laughs> can make or break a game, you know? Um, and so, like you said, he just improves at that so much and, he's confident in himself to make those isolation plays. Whereas maybe that'd be ha- having to be Marcus, you know, make those one-on-one plays or Mitch. And um, like you said, they've struggled a little bit more than the other, other three starters. Um, but, you know, he's, he's had the opportunity and I think he's um, today, at least he kind of capitalized on those. Um, so I think, you know, he has a good road ahead if he just keeps, you know, doing what he's doing and being confident in himself and having a team being confident in him. I think, I think he'll be definitely good going into the rest of Big East play. You know, it's something that just occurred to me is like um, Creighton's had to deal with, <clears throat> I mean, Xavier's got Jason Carter that can kind of play the five two, and UConn had a good backup in Samogo. Like, but he's fouled out their two bigs the last two games. And usually Christian's the guy you worry about getting into foul trouble, battling bigger players. Right. But Isaiah Whaley, uh, um, UConn's big time shot blocker, he fouled out against Christian late, couldn't handle him. Um, in the second half, and then Zach Fremantle again today. He couldn't handle him in the second half. Um, I think he got him fouled out on a little like give and go with Denzel. That's yep. been working pretty well. That two man game they've got going. Um, like so, Christian's kind of been a problem at the five for people in in ways that maybe you wouldn't expect because it is with um, a variety of moves like in that intermediate area where you would consider him a post player as opposed to a perimeter player. Like he kind of gets into that free throw line or that lane. And he makes a move here or there, right or left, and, and gets, you know, a, a step or two on his man and gets him in, you know, into a situation where he has to be physical to stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that he was the guy who you'd worry about getting into foul trouble against bigger players. But the last two games where Creighton's had to grind out a win in games where they didn't shoot the ball very well, um, he got those two bigs out of the game just by being, you know, just by showing off the, the arsenal that he's put together here. Yes. Yeah. So I remember watching him when he was younger and we're like, <laughs> love you, Christian, if you listen to this, but we were like, why is Christian always fouling? Like we, we would be so upset. We're like Christian, stop fouling. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now like he's become so much more versatile, you know, he's, he's not just the back to the basket post he's driving, you know, he has a couple spot up um, from like 12 feet and in um, and he's making his five play, you know, play you know the shot and the drive so they kind of have to pick and choose and so Mm -hmm. um just him being more versatile just helps in that aspect and um like you said Fremantle was out with what like a minute and a half two minutes left and you know he him being the pick and pop threat that he is like who knows like if they were to run some play and he could have hit a couple knockdown threes at the end um him him being out you know, they were able to have that advantage on the inside. And I think that was really beneficial for them down in the stretch. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been a threat um, offensively, defensively. Like I said, he's been 
way better at getting securing those defensive rebounds. Um, we know those are super important <laughs> with um, with the biggies, you know. Um, and so, yeah, just him being more versatile and aggressive, I think, has been so beneficial for Creighton for sure. Let's uh, let's tackle the free throw shooting thing a little bit. I don't honestly. First of all. There's probably anybody more qualified to talk about this. <laughs> Jalen Agnew, for God's sake, absolutely ridiculous with the 50 to 50 at the end of the season last year. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, so I just, I, I kind of like to break the game down in segments a little bit. Cause I think like within the gut, within the guts of the game, like you can foul, like Christian's not an 80% free throw shooter. Right. So if he gets to the free throw line, like four or six times, you know, in those first like 20 to 30 minutes, um, that's kind of just in the flow of the game and he's going to miss at the line. You know what I mean? So it's not one of those things where uh, he's getting the ball in crunch time and teams are fouling him and then that's where they're like falling short. But I think if I'm doing the math right, like clutch time is that five minutes at the end of the regulation or overtime or whatever. So I broke it down in that part of it. And like in the losses to Kansas and Marquette, um, they were 10 of 16 in clutch time. So they shot 63%. Um, in the last two games where they've won close ones against UConn and Xavier, um, they're at 70%. I don't know if 70 is a good number in clutch time either. I think you probably want to be better than that because you, I mean, at 16 makes seven misses. Like, um, and I remember your guys' teams were always usually pretty cash in clutch time. I don't remember any big time free throw misses if I'm. Well, at least not a trend, maybe a, a game or two here where it happened, but it wasn't like one of those things where it's like, ooh, they're going to the line, what's going to happen? Um, what does it take, like, from a mentality standpoint? Like, how do you get yourself into a good rhythm, a good routine to the point where, you know, when you set to the, set to the line and when the game's on the line, when the game's being decided and you need these points and they're valuable, that you're not really worried about um, whether it's going in or not. You kind of just have confidence that it is. For sure. I think back to a couple clutch moments. So, for example, our Drake game, um, our sophomore, when it went to four overtimes, whatever. Oh, was, yeah. Audrey had some clutch free throws. Oh, my Lord. Was literally cramping for two minutes before those free throws. And in the huddle, she literally told, like, the five that were out there, she was like, I have to make so shout out slash sister Audrey she has she's like I have to make these free throws because I literally can't run anymore <laughs> she was like, she's like she was like I literally can't miss me because I'm not gonna be able to run anymore and that was like hilarious because I'm like you're so right like we're all dying this was a three hour long game four overtimes like you need to make these and she did <laughs> which is hilarious but Honestly, I think so. That was just like a confidence thing. Like I have, like I have to make these because I I can't run anymore. Like I'm yeah. literally not able to run. Um, and then like for me for my la this last year, like I just went up to the um, free throw line like every time and was like, you know, like just have confidence. Like, I'm not gonna miss these. Um, and so a lot of my workouts with Chev. So I obviously played a lot of minutes. Um, my last three years. Yeah. For <laughs> like, <real. laughs> 38 plus a game um playing substitution strategy is like go get a drink then get your best back to the, to the check-in circle exactly. or whatever, you know. seconds every once in a while <laughs> um but i literally just like had that confidence like like these are gonna go in you know like go up there and so one thing i did notice today so they obviously haven't been great at free throws but at the end today marcus um 
one thing I noticed with him, like Sheb always told me this, you know, like, so he took a deep breath and kind of like rolled his shoulders back. Mm. And I think like just that little thing of body language, like rolling your shoulders back, having the confidence body language that like these shots are going to go in, like that can be like the determination whether you make it or not. Um, he obviously made his two ones at the end um, to extend, extend the lead a little bit, but it's honestly just the mentality. Um, I think, you know, sometimes everyone, you know, you see on Twitter, you see all this stuff like they need to work on their free throws, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure yeah. they work on their free throws as much as anyone else. They're not just skipping their free throws. You know what I mean? I think it's the mentality and maybe some sort of pressure or something, but like, I really think it's just like the confidence and, you know, rolling your shoulders back, like having the confidence to go up there and be like, I'm cashing these two. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I think it, free throws aren't, are the most mental thing probably in the game of basketball. <laughs> like you have to go up there with confidence and just be like, I'm making these. Like I used to say like, just like practice. And I would say that like before every free throw in my head, like just like practice, go up hmm. and um, same routine, obviously can't change the routine. Um, and then after, after that, I'd be like, you know, like I'm making this, like there's no if ands or buts, like I'm making this. <laughs> and so, um, so you just have to have like the right mentality. I think going into it, you can't have any like, hopefully I make this or any of those second guessing type things. Um, it's free throws are such, such a mental game and, with you know the the pressure that Marcus has with all his preseason accolades, um, Mitch with Mitch being a great shooter and then not being not so great at the free throw line, like I'm sure they like think about that stuff all the time. Mm. Um, you know I would think about the same stuff too. Um, so you kind of just have to have that mentality to go up there, know know that you practice these all the time, um, and that you know just have that confidence that you're gonna make them. I think it's like that you players talk about this all the time and it, <clears throat> I don't know if people don't just don't listen to it or if they don't believe it or something, but like you guys talk about this all the time, year after year, player after player, it, the, the names and jerseys can change, but the, the, the phrase is the same, like games are different than practice. So like everybody, I think it's like you said, they hear a bunch of noise about practicing free throws, right? But it's different when you step to the line in the game, the pressure is just different. Like the situation is different. You can simulate it as much as you want to, but it's just not the same. Like, so the only thing you can count on is that routine that you're talking about. Like you just have to like take yourself back to the empty gym and recreate that situation in your mind. And then almost like clear it. Like you're just like, there's no one on this lane with me. There's no one in this gym with me. Forget the noise, all that stuff. And just knock down these free throws. Like it's no big deal. Um, like you've done a hundred times before, it's like the, all 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 parts of the game are different because you see players do things in practice that they, that doesn't translate to games, and it's just like the game reps are just different. They just have a different entire they have a different energy to them. It just takes it's not the same. Like you can't struggle at the free throw line in a game and say go practice your free throws in the gym. The only way you're going to get better at the free throw shooting in the game is by shooting free throws in the game. Like you just have to. It's the, that's the way it happens. Um, What's the, but it makes me think of a fun question. Like what's the most uh, free throws you've hit in a row in a practice? Like in just like, or you're just in the gym and you're like, I'm going to shoot till I miss. Like what's the highest number you've gotten to? So I, this is bragging for sure. <laughs> I set you up with it though. So go like, you have to it off. So um, in my workouts with Chev, like towards the end of my career, 
Um, obviously getting a little older, I'm not saying I'm like old by any means, but our workouts aren't as tedious. Like I know what I'm good at, practice that, that type of stuff. And then one workout a week would be almost like all free throws. Like I need to get to the free throw line, work on free throws. And I, for right now, I think I still have it. I held the record for most, most free throws in a row that I've made um, in a single workout. And I'm pretty sure it was a hundred straight or 101. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Lauren works had the record. I think it was either 80 something or 90 something. She was and another, we, she was another clutch player, right? Like exactly, shots. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so one day chef's like, we're going to work on all three of those today. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Like, and so we usually like make 10 in a row and then like get a certain amount. And she's like, just keep going till you miss. I'm like, all right, sounds good. So <laughs> chef <laughs> just keep going. And this is, yeah, I'm just like going like whatever. And I'm like, is this all we're doing today? <laughs> like, I guess so. Like, I'm at 50. Like, I don't really know what we're doing. I just keep going. And I'm pretty sure I missed, like, on 101. So it was, like, right at 100. And she was like, you just broke Lauren's record, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, I never thought I'd be, like, that good at free throws. Like, I was always, um, I was always, like, in high school, at least, I was, like, seven, between 70 and 80%. Mm. And, um one of the coaches at my dad's high school, East High in Wichita, Kansas, um, Coach Allen, he was like, <laughs> Coach um, Ron Allen, he was like, you have to be above 75%. Like, it needs to be 80s or plus. And so, like, I kind of always had that in the back of my mind. And I'm like, you're right. Like, 70 is, like, okay, but it's not good. Especially, they're free shots. Like, you need to capitalize on these when you can. And so, um, yeah, I think like my freshman year, maybe I was in like the seventies. Then I got into the eighties, I think my sophomore year and just kind of grew a little bit maybe. Um, but yeah, I kind of always had it in the back of my mind. And then when I did that with Chev, I was like, okay, like I can do this. Like I can make free throws in a row. I can be clutch. Like, and so I think like, I kind of think back to that a little bit and I'm like, I made a hundred free throws in a row. Like I can do this. <laughs> and so, um, that, that kind of little workout kind of, I think propelled me a little bit. So basically you hit a hundred free throws in a row one day and then never missed the rest of your career. That's yeah. That's, 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 that's the goal. <laughs> no, but like I said, it's just a confidence, like knowing you, oh can do that, knowing you can do that and you're gonna be like, these are free. Like I can make these, I can make a hundred of these. It's like, any day like I should be able to make these in a game you know so just having that mental focus is just just helps so much that is just a legendary story I can't <laughs> it's, it's just so funny because I remember like I, I think I don't know when I became aware that you hadn't missed in a minute but it might have been around the 20 25 in a row range like oh she's got like she hasn't missed since that uh that you and I game or whatever um but I think there was one where, because you used to go up there and just be like, cash, cash. Like, it was just nothing. It was like, that wasn't even close to missing. That wasn't even close to missing. I don't remember what game it was, but there was one. It might have been Villanova, like, towards the end of the year, where mm -hmm. you went up there, and it was like, um, I don't know what you did, but it was like, rattle, rattle, up, off glass, in. I was like, mm -hmm. I, like, kind of lost it. It was like, oh, oh was that the one? Yeah. <laughs> and it still went through. But it's like, that, that, that streak you were on was insane. Were you thinking about it? Like, how when did you become – aware that you hadn't missed in like freaking months basically so it was kind of funny because i wasn't really aware till literally like the senior day game oh really wow yeah 
And so I okay, maybe the game, maybe the Villanova game before that, but the senior day game, it was definitely in my head because I was on pace for the record and the free throw percentage. And so I had two free throws to get to 40. And I was like, I swear if I miss these, like <laughs> I'm gonna be so mad at myself. <laughs> and so I went up there and like, I think they one of them rattled and I was like, Ooh, and I looked at Liv and she started laughing. Cause like she knew what was in my head kind of. Um, and I was like, Ooh, thankfully I made those two. Cause like people were talking about that and just like senior day. And it was just like a whole, like so many variables. And so it was like, all right, like if I don't make these, like not, not that <laughs> this is very extreme, but I was like my career. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine like we're sitting in that post game presser. Liv like got a Liv got a live shot off. Morgan hit one like just cold yes. off of months. Like Jalen breaks the record for scoring in the game, and we're like, "How did you think of the game?" It's like, hated that. Just a free throw. It sucks. I want to yes. go home. Like, if I would have missed those free throws. I would have been sad <laughs> myself. You would have been. <laughs> I know you. I used to watch. I think I told this story. This is on a commentary we haven't actually released yet. We'll probably get to that. Um, I did a, one of those Creighton commentaries with uh, uh, mm-hmm. Sid and uh, Cy. Okay. Um, and we were talking about we were talking about the shooting workouts you and Audrey used to have. And you'd be like, I know you know what I'm talking about. You guys yeah, would you guys would just basically go around the horn, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's like 10 shots in a spot, move on. Um, and like Jalen and Audrey would hit, this is for everybody, like Jalen and Audrey would hit like seven in a row, okay? And then they would like miss two of their last three. And then they would like chuck the ball and like cuss at themselves. Like <laughs> they just like went eight for 10 in a spot. And they're like, and because it ended at like two misses out of the last three, they're just like, I suck. This is ter- I'm terrible. Like throw the ball, kick it. Like they just like, their standard for that was just absurd. So that when you tell that story about the free throws late, that made me think about it. Those shooting workouts with you and Audrey was like you'd miss one and just become like wanted to quit basketball basically. Literally, like we had such high expectations for ourselves. Like we had to be perfect. Like that was just like we we just wanted to be the best that we could. And so mm-hmm. like knowing we made eight in a row and missed that last one, it's like why do we miss that last one? If we just made eight in a row, you know what I mean? And what's like, the, what's the I, point of making eight in a row? If I'm gonna miss the last exactly, one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's like a perfectionist in us, but also just like, just us wanting to be as good as we possibly can. Um, and I think obviously, like with our, I'm not trying to brag here, but like with our numbers and like what we did, like it just kind of shows like how, how much we wanted to be good and how much we wanted to, you know, just be almost perfect as much as we could be yeah um but and we were roommates for our entire time (laughs) playing and so literally after practice we'd come back and be like wow i suck it's like no i suck and like we would like at least audrey our freshman year she would have like 20 something points in like five on five in practice as a freshman and i'm guarding her as a redshirt freshman and she's like i suck i'm like dude you scored on me like 15 times are you kidding me she's like on the gray team i'm like shut up no i didn't i'm on the gray team (laughs) and so that's literally us in the dorm room going back and forth and like as much as terrible as it was like it really like just helped us just get better kind of like with each other and like going against each other um so like i'm so thankful for her and for us like being 
we're so hard on ourselves, but it really helped us like propel like our skill set and what we could do for the team. Um, and so it was kind of a blessing in disguise, even though Chef and Sai and Carly said we were crazy. It was all you were you were just insane people. Like I was just like, what is wrong with these two? It was all in like just trying to be the best that we could to help everyone else. Well, I think it worked out for you both, so I can't argue with it. <laughs> I'm just like I'm sitting there going like Jesus, these people are insane. I actually like I actually have like a lot of uncut videos of like Mitch because Mitch is the same way so like everybody sees the ones I post on Twitter where he like hits 30 in a row or something like that what we what I've never posted and I think I should like make a super cut of him is like he'll go and like hit five in a row and then miss two in a row and then like hit three in a row and miss like two in a row and that he'll like drop like seven f-bombs and like throw the ball at the wall like it's just he's an insane person when it comes to like missing shots after he's hit like three or four in a row. He like thinks he should never miss again. And yeah, so, and like Chev with me, she'll be like, So like how do you think the workout was today? And I'm like, terrible, like couldn't hit. And she was like, You probably shot seventy percent from the field. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care, it wasn't eighty or you know what I mean? Like <laughs> stuff like that. Like I just want to like be better and like be as, as good as I can be. So I totally feel that. I feel you, Mitch. Um, you know, you yeah. just want to want to do as, as best as you can, as good as you can. So. Yeah, there's nothing more confusing than watching Jalen and Audrey hit 80% of their threes and then think they sucked that day. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I want to talk about next is like Marcus is kind of getting into a little bit. I mean, I'm getting a lot of Marcus questions um, just <laughs> every day because he's been a little bit up and down. And I, you know, um, there's just a lot of elements to it that I'm not really sure how to how to analyze it. Like he's obviously coming off the injury, right? Yep. Um, and an off season, like we've mentioned, that's not it wasn't typical in terms of his recovery and the the reps he was able to get in the off season. We don't know what they had to deal with in terms of quarantine or or off season nicks in here and there that kept him out. We don't know any about anything. We don't have any information about that. Um. Like, how do you analyze the up and down nature? Because he's also dealing with the fact that he's the man now. And with that comes a lot of defensive attention. And I think it like, I, I was thinking back um, a couple of days ago to your junior year where uh, you had the knee injury before, which you got mad at me about for saying. Um, <laughs> you had the knee injury before the season um, that kind of slowed you up. And then you had the freak hand injury, like two games in that, that obviously threw a wrench into things like, um, first of all, how long did it take you to get right upstairs after those injuries? Like before you felt like you were, you were you again. So like you said, I had that, that hand injury, um, about two or three games in, and I didn't feel like 100% until Big East tournament that year. Like, oh, well, that makes sense because you killed it in the Big East tournament. Right? Like, <laughs> no, and I literally didn't feel like I had that brace on for a long time and then mm -hmm. tape, all that stuff. And I just did not feel 100% till that, that Big East tournament. And so, like, I completely understand where he's coming from in that aspect. And he also has added pressure on Big East, preseason player of the year, all American, all that type of stuff. And so, like, I'm sure he's feeling all that pressure. And then the fact that he's like not performing up to his potential that he knows he can, you know, like it's just added stress. So like, I can mm -hmm. totally, totally understand that. Um, but like, he shouldn't like, obviously like Mac has all the trust in the world with him. His teammates have all the trust in the world with him. 
Um, so like I said, like with his free throw today, like where he just like held his shoulders back and like, and like hit those two free throws. Like he needs to keep that like body language, that like confidence and like take that into every game with him because, because I know it's so hard, but I know he can, he can do it for sure. I think like, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think maybe I might be remembering it wrong, but I think your junior year was a little bit like that too. Cause you came back, you missed some games with the hand first of all, right? Like, so it wasn't like you heard it, put a wrap on it, and then started to do your thing as best you could. Like, I think you missed a few games. I remember, I think you missed the Nebraska game that year. Um, and you came back against Wichita. And I think, did you hit six threes in that game, if I'm not mistaken? Like, didn't you go off that day? I did kind of go off. I think I had, like, 18 that game. Okay. Hit, uh, but I, I think you hit – I'm pretty sure I remember that, right? You hit six – so you hit six threes the first game back with the hand, right, with the brace and everything on it. So that's kind of what we're looking at with Marcus right now, right? Because he'll have – like he cooked Nebraska. He was really good against St. John's. I think he hit six or seven from three, five turnovers, one assist. Like he's had these, you know, performances where you're like, oh, he's back. And then, and then like you'll have the games against UConn where – or Xavier where the shot isn't falling um, and he doesn't look like himself. Like did you feel that when, when you came back from the hand? Like some days – it's just going, it's going in and you're feeling good. And then other days, if you miss a couple, it kind of like snowballs on you. Do you, is that kind of what it, what it was like? Just a way waning, like an up and down confidence just depending on the day. Yeah. Um, can we get like a, can I have like a five minute timeout before I yeah. answer this? Is that okay? My confidence was definitely shot. Um, my junior year, you know, like I think my coach played a big role in that, um, you know, being. In killing your confidence. <laughs> no, and <laughs> trying to build it. It's like, I, oh dang! Oh Lord, no! It was myself more than anything killing my confidence. Um, and so it was really just them like having the faith in me. My teammates having the faith in me. Like maybe I wasn't shooting great percentage, and they're like, "That's your shot! Like you got that!" You know what I mean? Um, and so just them like instilling that confidence in me like helped me get to that point at the Big East where I'm like, "All right, like it's a Big East. Like I don't want to be done playing just yet." Like. I got to do something to, you know, really make this worthwhile. And um, coming off the injury, everyone's going to have that, you know, confidence issue. Um, and with him, with it, you know, being uh, important, <laughs> important injury to come off of, you know, I'm sure he had his own at first, but, um, you know, I think, I think it's just, it's going to be a battle for everyone, the confidence issue and him with added pressure of, you know, being all these preseason with all these preseason accolades um, is even more added pressure. And so um, I can understand where he's coming from, but just know like if Marcus, if you're listening to this, um, you have all the Creighton family um, backing you. I know your teammates trust you. Mac trusts you. We trust you. Um, I don't know. You probably don't need to hear it from me, but um, like you're doing great and it'll come eventually. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you that, but it'll come. Just keep going at it. You know, use that body language to your advantage. Keep, you know, rolling your shoulders back, taking those deep breaths. Um, the mental part, I and mean, people don't understand the mental part is such, such, such a huge part, especially coming back from injury. And if he just gets that part right, like it'll, it'll be like smooth sailing. When did you like lock in um, your senior year? Because I mean, Audrey was gone, so it wasn't you know. Liv was a tandem with you, but you know, you guys were both kind of in and out of the lineup for different reasons that year. Um, when did you start to feel like 
all the attention and all, you know, not just from the de- opposing defenses, but like, you know, the accolades in the off season, like where you just kind of like wiped it all and just started to do you and, and play the way you know how to play. When did that, when did that, when you feel like that clicked? Yeah, I, I just kind of went out and they were like, <laughs> so from probably my sophomore year, they were like, if you don't shoot, you're not going to play. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, like, I have to shoot. Then with Audrey being like gone. Every Creighton player in history has been told that you're not shooting. Right? <laughs> with Audrey being gone, like, you have to, like, launch the ball. Like, that might be our best shot, whether it's 20 seconds into the shot clock or five seconds in the shot clock. You need to shoot. Like, we might get offensive rebound, or that might be our best shot of the shot clock that we have. And so just going in and my workouts with Chev, like, you know this, but I don't know if everyone else knows this. Like, I would like cry my workouts with Chev. I'm like, I just don't know if I'm like good enough to do that. And she's like, we would always make goals. And one, I remember one time she's like, so what do you want your goals to be? And I was like, I think I want to be Biggie's player of the year. And she's like, all right, then like, that's your goal. Like we need to work to that. And I was like crying when I said that, cause I just didn't think it was attainable um I am hard on myself like I said before and so I just didn't think that was like attainable and um just was working with her all the time like I think my junior year I was with my injury like I kind of stepped back to maybe like one extra workout a week or two and my senior year I just wanted it so bad I would have three extra workouts a week and extra weights a week like I just wanted to be like as good as I can and I wanted us to have successful seasons because we weren't successful that, you know, that junior year. And so I was just doing as much as I can. And I, I as unrealistic as I thought that goal was, Chev had, Chev, my teammates, my coaching staff, like they had all the confidence in me that I could do that. And I think that just like made it so much worthwhile and new and just, the, just knowing that they had that confidence in me. I think just even helped my confidence. When did you say that? Do you remember? When did you make that goal? It was probably middle of conference, I think. So it was post West Virginia. Yes. <laughs> you should have just come to me. I would have told you that right then and there. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely post West Virginia. It was okay. in the middle of conference. I yeah, I literally remember being. I could tell you, I was literally on the far side. So I guess that's the north side of the court. I was like crying to Chev and she's like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want? And I was like, I think I'm going to be biggest player of the year. And she's like, all right, then like, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, cry. Might as well try. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, on a serious note though, I think like there is just a lot of parallels uh, between the, your career arc with Marcus. Like um, <clears throat> I think you're, you know, your freshman year, I think, Maybe he finished right behind Akinjo, James Akinjo, for freshman of the year. So, like, he was right there. Um, you obviously won freshman of the year when you were um, in your first year. Like, um, and then you guys had the breakout sophomore year, right, where everybody's like, ooh, this is a, this is a certifiable stud in the Big East now. Like, look out, um, future's bright, all that kind of thing. Then came the accolades. And then, like, with those accolades, like, I think everybody was in your year. It was, like, Jalen Audrey, like, the dynamic duo – um, first team all league caliber talents and then the injuries just kind of like knocked you off your like center of gravity basically and you just it was hard to get into a rhythm and I think we're kind of seeing that a little bit like there's so much being thrown at Marcus right now with coming back from the injury dealing with even different defensive coverages 
um, different schemes to kind of take him out of his out of his rhythms instead of letting him play to his strengths so easily as he did last year. Um, so I think that's kind of why we've seen a lot of the up and down because there's like a lot in his head right now in terms of what he sees game to game because the coverages are different. Um, the tactics are different. Like sometimes uh, you'll know, he'll face a team with a defender that can really get up in his grill and be physical with him and ride, ride his, basically ride his hip the whole way, um, stay with him, switch with him. Um, I mean, I think that's – it's just like a process. Like he has to get comfortable attacking those situations before he can kind of, you know, kind of get into what his – his rhythm will be for the second half of his career where, where he starts to understand how to play to his strengths, even when they're all being, even when they're all being taken away by the opposing defense. I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now. For sure. I agree. And, you know, thankfully everyone else has stepped up as well. Um, mm-hmm. You see Denzel hitting some clutch shots, Dame hitting some clutch shots, getting some clutch O boards, you know, even D boards. Um, Christian, like I said, has improved so much. Um, them kind of, you know, like you were kind of saying, maybe playing a little bit better than um, Mitch or Marcus, I think has just helped them as a team as a whole, um, knowing that you don't have to just rely on that one person to make those clutch shots or do those little things um, has helped them as a team, um, knowing that, like I said, he doesn't have to be the one person. And so I think that'll just help them down the line as well. But um, I totally, like I said, totally understand where Marcus is coming from you know, maybe with the whole uncertainty of off-season COVID, make, like him having his injury going into all of that mess, you know, could definitely have a toll. Um, and so just him, like it's going to take time to find his group. He obviously hasn't played a game until March mm-hmm. uh, and when he started. And um, he has to get into that group, which we all know. We all know the group he can get in, how, Seriously. how crazy and great he can be. He has to find that, and, like, we know he will. Um, it just, you know, comes a point of, like, the mental part, like I said, um, just being confident in himself and just, you know, knowing what he can do. And it'll come for sure. It might take some time, but it'll come for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing, I, I want to wrap it up on this topic <clears throat> because I do think you're, as much as anyone, you're uniquely qualified to talk about this um, from a variety of angles, like – I don't know if, if people have um, given this the necessary weight that it deserves. Um, today was their sixth game in the last two weeks and change, maybe like 16 days or something like that. Like, so they didn't play well offensively against UConn. They didn't play well offensively against Xavier. Um, they did enough to win those games. Uh, and I think there's like positives to take away from the fact that they did win those games, despite those two situations. But um they look tired, right? Like they look fatigued, don't they? I mean, that this kind of grind is kind of getting to them a little bit. And I think people hopefully are starting to realize that this has not been easy um, for them. They have, I mean, depending on the situation, there's, you know, a handful of them that haven't seen their family in months, like just any kind of, I don't even know what it would be like, but they've basically been isolating themselves to the point of like little bubbles, you know, they've been traveling, but, Basketball has been the one and only thing since what Thanksgiving was when fall break started um, and their season started four days after that. So, I mean, that's basically been it. Basketball, practice, sleep, play, um, prepare for the next one. So 
Like, how does it, how, how do you deal with that as a player from a mental standpoint? How hard is it, first of all, to be away from your family, your friends, your loved ones that long and still stay focused and find enough energy um, to gear up when the game starts? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I am pretty qualified considering I was in the Wubble um, this summer, and it's definitely a challenge, you know, like, um, for example, when I talked to you last, or when we had a podcast last, I was saying, like, I want to almost be in school to kind of get my mind off of just playing basketball, you know, and mm-hmm. so this last stretch where they haven't had school because it stopped in Thanksgiving, and you're all basketball, 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 that can really take a toll, especially when you don't have like the social interaction of going to class or the social of being somewhere else outside of just being with your teammates and coaches. Like that can completely take a toll, not seeing your family for so long. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure that has a certain part in it for sure. And it's super difficult. Um, so I've actually gotten into listening to JJ Reddick's podcast, um, Old Man in the Three. Um, really good one if anyone wants to listen to that but he kind of talks about the bubble with um, a lot of the NBA players he talks to Dame, um, Fred Van Vliet, um, Jason Tatum and they all talk about just I mean a lot of them have families that they're talking about like just not having their families there their kids it just takes a toll on them and their performance you know Um, and so that can that can just have a total impact on your everyday life whether you're you're you know you can see your family and you're like wow like it's a great day I can see my family versus not seeing them and you're like you know maybe I'll FaceTime them later it's not the same but blah 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 or you miss someone's birthday you miss an anniversary something like that and I'm not saying it would be different if school was in session or everything was normal but just having that, like, even this little interaction of going to class or seeing people in the student center can make, like, such a big impact. And so I think that that definitely has a toll. And the, the bubble was not easy. Um, we couldn't do a ton outside of playing basketball. So you're kind of always in this, like, basketball mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of had a struggle with that as well because – being a rookie you want to do like the best you can um but you know you might not get like the same opportunities like you don't play as much obviously and so it's just like this mental battle this mental game every practice every game you know that type of stuff and so it can really take a toll and so I'm sure for them it has not not been easy at all um and so I can totally feel for them and it's it's really an adjustment and being a college kid like obviously I was a rookie so I'm not saying I was old but even being 18 19 like I'm 23 and even just like those couple years of like maturity like I I feel like I handled it okay but if I was like 18 or 19 like going through that like who knows what would have happened like it's just I probably would have been a mess (laughs) knowing how I was my freshman or sophomore year like it, it definitely takes a toll. And so I just, I definitely feel for them. I know what they're going through and it's, yeah. it's not easy at all. I think, I think you can speak to this a little bit too. And, and this is the part of the story we have. We don't, aren't going to get to tell yet because we don't know what they're going to look like when they come back. But if I'm not mistaken, you had a few days, maybe six before you went to yeah. Russia after the WABA season ended. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So how refreshing was that? Like from a mental standpoint, just to be able to like decompress, 
not think about basketball for a little bit, um, you know, take off whatever you're dealing with basketball wise, like whether it's an injury, um, a shooting slump, uh, just whatever you're dealing with that you're thinking that, that the basketball part of it is adding to a lot of time on the mind. When you see your family for the first time in a long time and you kind of get to be around the people you care about for whether it's a, you know, a stretch of days, four or five days, six days, whatever it is, like how, um, how much of a load off is that from, uh, from a standpoint of just providing some mental health relief and getting you kind of back to what matters. And, and then when you come back, like how, when you went to Russia, like how reinvigorated were you for the basketball part to resume? It's like so refreshing. Like even I've been home from Russia for a couple of days now and just being here for this even amount of time, like it's been so refreshing just to see my family and it literally makes a world of difference. Um, like you said, it's being around people like that care about you, like always ask how you're doing, like making sure you're, you're doing good. Like whether they don't even care about the basketball part, they just like want to make sure you're doing okay as a person, as a student, as a young person, you know, it's just so refreshing and you're just like so grateful to have them in your corner, you know? And so like this, and like, I've seen that the big East has kind of postponed some games. To yeah. Allow, allow that was really good. At home. Yes. And I think that is amazing because these kids need it. You know, they're, they are kids. <laughs> I'm still a yeah. kid, but they are kids. Like they're, they need it. It's, like you said, for the mental side of it, the mental health, like it's so important for them to be able to do that. And so I think it's, it's great. And it, it'll help them so much just being able to go home and really kind of get that like breath of fresh air, that reinvigoration for, for um, your family, the love of the game, all that type of stuff. I think it's going to be so beneficial. And I, and we've, we've seen great basketball now, but I think it's going to be even better after this because everyone will be so just like reinvigorized and just ready to play after they've had this little little boost being at home gotcha well uh thanks for hopping on and breaking this one down i honestly i like forgot that you were back so when you (laughs) said when you said like yeah let's record at eight i'm like uh she must be have to be up early in russia or she's being real nice to me or something like i'm like why would she want to do that i was thinking maybe right away or something and then you're like and i was like you know, I saw the dog and everything. Oh, she's back. So I apologize for cutting into the family time, but I appreciate your, I appreciate your insights nonetheless. For sure. I, I literally girls and guys, I tried to watch as many Korean games as I can being overseas. Literally the KU game, I think it started at like one or two my time in Russia. And I was like, I have to stay up for this. Like it's Creighton KU. Like it's the first time I've seen this and like, in my lifetime and so I was like all right I have to stay up for this and literally like the seven minute mark in the second half hit and I was like all right like I'm good seven minutes I'm good it's probably like 14 normal whatever I like knock out like that and I was so upset at myself and it was like 4 a.m and I'm like I shouldn't have been mad at myself but I was because those are my two teams and it was and I missed the end of the game and it was so clutch um so like I said I tried to try to watch as much as I can and so um, it's been fun kind of watching from afar from both teams and just seeing how much people have improved. And it's just really fun to see, you know, especially, I mean, both teams, just seeing them as young players coming in, being older players and kind of coming into their own. Um, it's super fun to see. And um, I just enjoy it so much. <laughs> cool. I appreciate you. Um, 
Uh, for everybody, obviously, uh, whiteandbluereview.com is where you go for all the post-game coverage. We'll have this podcast up there. It'll be on iTunes. I might see if we can put it on YouTube just so everybody can check out these earrings. Jalen's rocking for crying out loud. I don't know if everybody's <laughs> looking like this on a basketball podcast before, but she did it. She did it right. Uh, I feel like a, a slob in this hoodie. Um, yeah, that's where we go for the post-game coverage. Um, and then if you haven't checked out that podcast we did, uh, back in the summer where she kind of like goes over all the wow moments from the wobble and you check that out too. Um, but until then, Jalen, we'll definitely have you on again if we can um, sometime down the road during the season, but I appreciate you this time and I hope you and the family, mom, dad, everybody have a Merry Christmas. Okay. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Let me know. And maybe the next time will be a more offensive, <laughs> offensive game and I'll be, that'll be fun to dissect a little bit, but <laughs> for sure. Uh, Merry Christmas, man. Oh, Merry sorry, Christmas. man. Jerry X. Jalen, man. <laughs>